Hi and welcome to my podcast, Pure Happy Healthy. My name is Leandra Haupt, I'm your host, and today I got a beautiful interview guest for you here. It's Tatiana Lucia. She is a sexuality coach, a meditation and yoga teacher, an artist living on Bali at the moment. And we met each other on Bali last time when I was there and just had a beautiful connection. And I'm so happy and grateful to have her in the interview today. And we dive really deep into dating and sexuality and have real talk. We speak about boundaries and things you should consider before you actually start to involve with someone and her own personal history with the topic and how she got to it. So I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed talking to her. And as usual, I'm really happy and grateful if you leave me a review on Apple, if you listen to it on Apple. And yeah, just share this episode with someone who could be interested in it. Tag me on Instagram, leave me your thoughts and just connect to me and her if you have any questions. I will link to her information in the show notes as well. So without further ado, we will start right into the conversation. Hi and welcome to my podcast, Sadiana. I'm super happy that after connecting on Bali last year actually already, we get to speak today about you and your work and yeah, just life. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love doing these podcasts they're always so much fun and it's always so interesting seeing um where we go with them it's it's such a beautiful space to be connecting and sharing so thanks for having me cool i'm excited as well as i work like this that i don't put any questions beforehand to people because i just love to see how a conversation unrolls and i feel it's always more natural so i'm really happy you're up for that as well <laughs> so my <Yeah>. friend <laughs> My first question is um, what I always have for my podcast guest. What did you have for breakfast this morning? For breakfast this morning, I don't actually ever really eat breakfast. I usually have like brunch, kind of early lunch. I had um, some fruit with some granola. Mm, the typical Bali uh, breakfast, like yeah. treat yourself yeah. <laughs> healthy breakfast. Amazing. So would you like to explain a little bit more who is Tatiana and what are you currently working on and doing in your life? Yeah, so I am Tatiana. I was born in Germany, but I moved to South Africa to Cape Town when I was three years old and grew up there for most of my life, which was really, really amazing. Um, I was really lucky to be raised by parents who were very um, open and wanted me to experience a lot of different cultures. So it was quite a paradox um, living with German parents in South Africa because it's just two such completely different cultures. And growing up in that space was really, really um, interesting and has really given me a deeper desire to understand different cultures and um, explore the world as much as I can. Um, so when I finished school, I moved to London, which was a massive culture shock and studied psychology there for three years, which was amazing. And after that, I actually ended up in Bali. I did some traveling last year and then came out here in October on a complete whim. 
um, following like an urge I had in a meditation. I saw myself in Bali and like two days later, I booked a one-way flight and ended up staying for many, many months. Um, and I'd been here before doing yoga teacher trainings and I'd always just fallen in love with it. And since coming here, my work has actually evolved quite a lot. Um, I moved into sexuality coaching and um, yeah, kind of moved away from my focus being solely on yoga and meditation. And now um, I guess work with people more in the realms of embodiment and self-love and understanding your sexuality and work with sexual energy to be feeding into creativity and to just be living a more um, pleasureful, sensual life. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. But I find that it's crazy how quickly things change. And I'm really excited to see what I'm going to be doing in a couple of months from now. Wow. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy to hear that you're so open for change. I think so many people are so scared of these changes in life and, yeah, just don't allow themselves to go with their intuition and just follow their gut instinct, even if it means that there is a massive change behind it. And I found it really amazing and interesting that you said that you just had that visualization in your new meditation that led you to Bali and you just did it I think most people would just see it as like oh okay it was a little dream and um, take it away and then don't really follow it what was it in you that really or what is it in you that really has such a high intuitive power and just goes with this these decisions that come up for you um, that's an interesting question I, it's funny because I actually, the first time I can consciously remember connecting to my intuition in this way, where I was just like following weird sensations that I was having in my body, or just like, I would have a thought that I needed to like drive somewhere and I would just follow that. And then I would end up like meeting someone who would like point me in a new direction, or I would like even just as a crazy example, like the other day I, I followed my intuition and went to like a random cafe and ended up meeting someone who then offered me a job kind of thing. So it's, um, it's really taken me beautiful places. And the first time I actually consciously remember connecting to that was the first time I came to Bali and it was on my first teacher training about three years ago. And it was a really, really intense time for me. Like I was moving through a lot of emotions and trauma and my body was really going through this like deep deep healing um journey and in that I feel like that intuition kind of burst from me and the more I started following it the more I realized how much magic it held and how much opportunity it held so now I guess sometimes I can seem quite impulsive and I'll like change plans or go somewhere really random because I feel like I need to sometimes at the drop of a hat but almost always does something really amazing come out of it. Um, so I guess I just follow that now because I trust it so much. Mm, that is such a beautiful state of mind. I'm also really uh, lately in the past years have to come to trust my intuition more. And the most beautiful things happen, like you just said, when you just trust that gut instinct and just go for it and trust life. And I think it's really that yeah deep trust that you have that everything will turn out exactly the way it's supposed to and then even if something let's call it bad happens that we always trust that even that happened for a reason and then that is also part of the the whole journey 
And that makes life so much easier, that point of view, I think. Yeah. And then also giving so much trust, not in yourself and in other people, but just in life and your path generally. So I'm really happy you could also discover that this is one of the most beautiful things in life. Um, you're now doing sexuality coaching. And as I know from my experience, we often get into a topic because we have an own history with something, maybe even like a struggle with something. And that's why we dive deeper into that topic. And then once we're over it or once we're really in it, we can help others. So what was your motivation or your background in terms of the sexuality coaching? If you want to share it, obviously, I, it's a could be a private topic. <laughs> yeah. No, of course. I've always been really open with people about my journey and it really, without everything that has happened happening, I would not be here doing the work that I'm doing. So my history with it actually goes back really far. Uh, when I was two and a half, three years old, I my parents had just started their company and I was, um, I had an au pair who basically sexually abused me for quite um an extended amount of time and I never fully understood what that meant until I was old enough to understand which was when I was about 12 or 13 and from that point onwards I had these really distorted behavioral patterns around sexuality and a really unhealthy connection to it um and I used it as a way of satisfying my ego and The older I got, the more I realized that I had these deeply ingrained patterns that were just acting out so badly in all of my encounters with people. But it was almost being um, masked by the fact that I'd actually been in multiple really beautiful functioning relationships. So I never fully understood um, how deep the issues were because I was always with partners who were really great and supportive until eventually I started seeing through my kind of journey into yoga and meditation and self-reflection and all of that kind of stuff, I, I began, began to realize how these issues were really present. Through the yoga, I started becoming really interested in Tantra. And I think I intuitively just knew that this was a way that I could heal from the, these experiences and actually um, connect back to my body in a really wholesome way. So After I broke up with my last long-term boyfriend, I took like a vow of celibacy and dove into the world of Tantra and just by myself explored like breath work and all of these embodiment practices and really found so much healing in them. And I never thought I would ever be coaching in this realm at all. So after going on this journey, I started a training with the International School of Temple Arts. Uh, this was sometime last year, and it was just the most life-changing immersion into sacred sexuality, tantra, self-love, and it was just a big catalyst for me. And when I left this training, I was just so inspired and so fulfilled and I was just sharing my journey with people and friends and a friend of mine actually asked me to start teaching her what I had learned and I was super resistant. I was like, no, like I'm not trained, I'm not qualified, I can't do this. And then one day I was just like, okay, if I just say yes and surrender, let's see what happens. Like maybe this could be something and it turned into something. I launched my first course within I think two weeks of saying yes to it and since then it's just been this amazing journey of um 
yeah, diving deeper into it, working with people from all around the world, having group spaces of both men and women, which has been so healing and just, yeah, it's like a gift that keeps on giving every time I come back to this work. I'm just blown away with how much it can do. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that is another good example that if we, if we just go with our intuition, that the most beautiful things await us and then the path will automatically come. Your your purpose basically came to you because you just trusted in the process and trusted in yourself and into your intuition and just followed it. That's super beautiful. I think one thing that um, listeners might be a bit confused about now maybe you can go a bit deeper and explain it you said you went into celibacy and then you um, went into tantra i think especially in the western world tantra is often um, has a different conception than what it already is people think of tantra like these yeah. crazy sex poses crazy sexual yeah. experience um, could you explain a little bit um, what Tantra actually is and how it combines with celibacy. Yeah, so in its essence, Tantra is really um, a practice of creating more connection um, or less separation. So this can be applied to our connection with other people, but more um, deeply for me, at least, it was my connection to self. And that has kind of been the basis of all of the work I do with my clients is allowing them to connect to themselves on a deeper level. And once they've connected to self and they understand themselves fully, that will automatically reflect in their relationships with other people. So when I was celibate, I was really just diving into the pra practices that Tantra uses to create this connection, be it um, breath work, self-massage, using <clears throat> visualizations to be channeling energy around the body, using dance, um, using meditation and all of these things to just cultivate this deeper connection to my physical body, but also my emotional body, like the landscape of my internal world. And through this connection, I was able to much um, better understand what it was that I was outsourcing in relationships. Like, I started looking at my patterns of relating to my partners and looking at what I was constantly trying to get from other people in relationships and that I was actually trying to fill these voids that I wasn't able to fill in by myself. So the biggest thing that kind of came from this time of celibacy is actually learning how to hold myself and how to be happy alone and realize that if I do come together with a partner, it is because I want to and because they are going to push me to be the highest version of myself and challenge me and that relationship will be a catalyst for growth um, as opposed to going into a relationship because I am lonely and because I need someone to make me happy and that's been a massive profound shift for me because I used to be very dependent on my relationships and when I would break up with a partner I would go through these like deep deep times of feeling really miserable and unhappy with myself and um it was this really dark space so being able to come to this place of peace and contentment within myself um by myself was so empowering and it has really changed the way that I relate now like I'm actually going through a period now where I haven't been with anyone in like nine months and I look back at that time now and I time and time again come down to the fact that it is purely because I am so clear now on what I am calling in in a relationship and what I am 
wanting to feel like with a partner and I'm not going to settle for anything less than that and if that means spending larger amounts of time by myself and just focusing my energy on myself I'm so so happy to do that and that is just such an empowered and empowering place to be in for me personally and I'm super grateful that I'm in this space right now Mm, yeah I think um, so many people see relationships as something that needs to be have <laughs> to feel complete or happy and like you just said they're basically just looking for filling a void with someone and f feeling happy or may needing someone to feel happy in a relationship and then even extend it maybe through getting kids or something I know people who say oh when I have that family and when I have these kids my life will be so happy but I think in my opinion at least it's that's a um, kind of um, wrong point to come from because when you're not happy outer circumstances like a partner or like the new car or like the new clothes they won't make you happy if you're not satisfied and look deeper into yourself um, and then um, nothing from outside in the long run especially will make you happy And as for myself, I've also experienced the, the times when I'm most happy just to be with myself and when I'm super, super fulfilled actually and don't look for a partner, that's actually when I can call in um, the, the partner that matches me best at that point um, because then I'm not really looking for it and then you actually create that mindset and that space um, yeah, to... Um, just find a combination that is just adding up to your life but not filling a void so yeah. thank you for yeah sharing this is super important I think and mm -hmm. now your workshops you said are about sacred sexuality what does that term exactly mean and how can we practice sac sacred sexuality I think the main thing for me personally it's, it's a hard thing to put into Like, how can we do it in so few words? But I think one of the biggest things is presence. And that really means presence in your body, presence in your mind, and presence with your partner, if that's someone that you are practicing with. So for me, sacred sexuality is just, I guess, moving out of this conditioned um, society we've grown up in where sex is just seen as a physical act that happens between two bodies. Um, and moving into a space where it's seen as much more than that. So beyond it just being a physical meeting of two bodies, it is also this incredible energetic encounter that happens. And it is almost like seeing sex as a celebration of life and a celebration of creation and a, a, like a cosmic dance of energy as opposed to it just being... I guess what we see a lot in like um, the porn industry and that kind of thing where it's this very um, emotionless sometimes um, act. So with sacred sexuality, it in really incorporates a lot of aspects of Tantra to create this deeper connection. So if practiced with a partner, it's really about deep presence, about using um, things like, for example, breath or eye gazing or conscious touch um, 
to create a deeper connection and intimacy in that encounter. A big part of it is also removing expectation. So I think a lot of people, again, um, largely due to the porn industry, have been conditioned to believe that sex has to have this orgasmic peak where um, both partners or especially male partners um, complete an orgasm and come and that's kind of the end goal of the sexual encounter and in sacred sexuality and also in in some um, tantric beliefs this really removes um, that end goal and the goal is just to be present and to move with energy and to flow in the encounter with that being without there being the pressure or the expectation of it having to end or go in a certain way so it's really liberating because it allows for you to just be really curious and playful um, and explore each other's bodies in a much more nurturing way i think Um, and a lot of the pressure and the expectation is removed so you can in some ways be much more free also Hmm. Yeah, I think you what you just said the it's a celebration of life. I love that you just said that um because I, what I feel sometimes with sex is that it's showing us that we're basically so connected to everyone and everything that we are all one and often if the feeling comes up that yeah, we we're all one, we're united in that moment and it makes you see how close you can actually get to other people and how close you can get to the whole creation of life. And I think the, like, as for me, this is, these are rare moments I had in the past, but they happened and it just always blows my mind. Like, wow. And then that realization of, wow, I know I understand we're all one. We're so connected and it's just all, we're just all made of the same matter. Um, Even um, from science, we can explain it, you know, we're all made from the same matter and just put together by energy. And that that's these moments that I had in the past connected. And then it makes so complete sense that you said it's a celebration of life because that's basically what it is. You understand life suddenly and that's just super beautiful. Um, so I know a lot of couples or people who are really scared even with their partners even in a long-time relationship to talk about sex and really make clear what they want and um, their desires and how um, they imagine their sex life um, what are some tips and tricks and tools uh, that couples or random partners or yeah whoever can use in order to speak about that topic where there's stigma about it. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things here is obviously communication. And I dive into this in great depth in my coaching with people, but also on my blog where I kind of have quite a lot of resources for people to be reading through to make those conversations a little bit easier and more accessible. I, in one of my trainings, I learned this incredible tool called the RBDSM tool. I don't know if it's like widely accessible on the internet, but basically it has um, the compa components of um, relationship status, um, boundaries, desires, um, 
sexual health and meaning. So this is especially great for people who are coming together with a partner who is potentially not a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but someone that you are more casually involved with. Actually sitting before like engaging with that person and just having this conversation of like, what is that person's relationship status? Are they single? Are they in an open relationship? Are they with another person speaking about your boundaries and your desires? Like, what is it that you would not want them to do? Like, some people have boundaries in um, their sexual encounters. Like, some people really don't like being choked, for example. Other people really don't like anal play. Like, whatever it is, having the space to just openly express it. Um, then speaking about your desires, like what is it that you enjoy? What would you like that person to do? Um, speaking about your sexual health, and this is a really, really important one. And I really encourage everyone and anyone to be more serious about their sexual health because it is such an important part of intimacy and of honesty and of being authentic with people. And there's so much stigma around um, STIs when actually so many people have them. I think it's like 60% of the world's population has herpes, but like no one actually knows they have herpes because it's not tested for in a lot of the um, standardized testing. Like I know the NHS, for example, when they do an STI screen, they don't actually screen for herpes unless you have symptoms. So it's one of those STDs where there's so much um, stigma around it, but actually tons of people will have either herpes one or herpes two in their system, but they just never show symptoms. Um, But in the kind of sexual health aspects of this conversation, like just speaking about when were you last tested? What were you tested for? What were the results? And also, most importantly, what risky behavior have you had? I've been with partners where we've had this conversation and they were tested six months ago for a whole bunch of things and they were completely clean. But then they've had like six new partners in that time of which four of them were unprotected. And that's a really essential detail to be um, understanding before you engage with someone because you are putting yourself at risk. And it's so important that you can have these conversations And then the last one is meaning. And this is a big one, especially for me, is if you are engaging with someone more casually, like what does this encounter mean? Is it a one night stand? Are they looking for something more serious? Um, What what will this mean? And what aftercare do you need? And this is one that people um, really neglect, especially as women. I think after we are intimate with a partner, we tend to need more aftercare than men do. This may be in the form of like cuddling or it may be in the form of a text or a phone call the next day. I'm just checking in, whatever it is, being really open and honest and saying to that person like, hey, if we do this and if we have sex, like I really would love for you to call me tomorrow. Um, It doesn't mean that we ever have to see each other again, but I just feel like I would like to speak to you the day after because that's like what my heart needs. And if that person says that they can't do that, then maybe you decide not to engage with them. And I think it's really essential because it saves us so much heartbreak and confusion and not knowing by just having these conversations before things get heated and before emotions and especially like hormones and brain chemistry gets involved. Because as soon as, as again, as soon as women engage with a man in that way, we have such an outside of oxytocin that we kind of fall in love with that person a little bit. And we can have a really deep connection to them for up to three weeks after engaging with them. And it can be really challenging navigating that space if it was just a one night stand that isn't going anywhere. So having those conversations are so, again, so empowering and 
saves you so much heartbreak also. I'm actually going to do a a blog post on it in the next couple of weeks. So definitely head over there because I want to write it out so people can actually like see it written out. I don't think I've shared it on my blog yet. And it's such a great tool. Everyone should know about it. (laughs) Yeah, wonderful. I will definitely link to all of your social media and to all the connections so people can look it up. (laughs) So let's move on to a quick fire round question (laughs) before we go. Um, I would like to know what can we do for better health today? Better health? Mm -hmm. Um, Have routine. That's my biggest one and I keep coming back to it. Um, try and wake up at the same time every day, spend some time with your mind each day. So whether it's meditation or journaling, spend some time with your body, whether it's moving your body, dancing, self-pleasuring, and spending some time with your heart, just doing things that feel really nurturing and good. Um, spending time with friends, spending time with your pets, spending time in nature, whatever it is, just doing more things that feel really good. Mm, I love that. <laughs> Was there a book or a movie or podcast that was a game changer for you? Um, I have actually recently read a book that has not so much anything to do with sacred sexuality, but it's called Braiding Sweet Grass by Robin Wall Kamara. And it's all about our connection to the earth and regaining respect for the land and just solidified everything that I've been feeling for a really long time and put it into tangible world words and um, I also have kind of studied a bit of herbalism. So it's been really fascinating reading her perspective on everything. And everyone should read this book because I think it has the potential to change the way that we engage with our environment and really gives us the tools to be able to stop what is happening right now with climate change and with the degradation of our planet. So please read it. <laughs> Wonderful. I think this is very much needed, these topics. In yeah. the current yeah. world. Um, what can we do for more self-love today? I'd say again, spend more time with your body. We don't do this enough. Um, one of the most um, crucial parts for me in this journey has been self-massage, mindful self-pleasuring, dancing, just doing things that bring you back to the beauty of your physical body. And again, I share about these practices on my blog and on my Instagram also, but just doing things where you're just spending, like even if it's just five minutes with your body and acknowledging just how incredible it is that it's this living, breathing, creating, thinking, being, and just feeling super grateful for that, I think is one of the most empowering self-love tools that I've come across. Hmm. Yeah, gratitude for the own body is yeah something so needed and so valuable. I agree. Um, what is the place where you feel most at home on on this planet? <laughs> I think at the moment, definitely Bali. Um, it has become home for me for many reasons. I've always felt at home here, and now through creating the community that I have and just the home that has unfolded over the past six months. It really feels like the most home place to me right now. I can totally understand that. I miss Bali so much. I hope borders open soon so I can come visit. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for your time and this beautiful interview and all the knowledge you shared here. And I hope I get to see you soon on Bali. <laughs> That would be yes. lovely. And I'll link up to all your information and the book uh, recommendation on the show notes so people can find you. Is there any last thing that you would like to share before we go? Um, just spending more time with yourself is the best thing that you will ever do and getting really comfortable in that so i really urge people to make that a part of your daily routine coming back to what we were speaking about how can you be healthier today creating routine that really really takes care of you and gives you time to get to know you is something that will definitely change your life hmm. thank you so much for being here Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye.